Fight Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Welcome to the Owl Chat Podcast. I'm your host, John Finer, and I am joined today by Kai... No, I'm actually not joined by Kai Millette. I am not joined by Nick Masseroni, who were busy this morning. Um, I am joined by a couple special guests, um, and I'll also be responsible for the entire production here, for better or worse. I'm joined by uh, Aaron Anderson, who's back with us after holding out for a Tom Brady-like pay bump for a couple weeks. I'm also joined by a new analyst that longtime Hardcore Owls fans would be familiar with. Uh, but the younger generation, maybe not as much. Uh, he's actually technically before my time as well. Um, well, I was enrolled in school there. I wasn't following the team, so still before my time, I suppose. Um, J.D. Pollock uh, played 30 games with KSU in 2007, 2008, averaging four points, two assists, and two steals. In 2008, 2009, he played seven games, averaged nine points, 3.4 assists and 2.4 steals before suffering a season-ending injury. Uh, he then spent two years at TCU as a grad assistant under coach Jim Christian. He then was a JUCO assistant in Arizona for two years. He later went on to D1 Cal State Bakersfield as an assistant in the WAC before spending the past six years as the director of player development with San Diego State and coaching in the national championship game against UConn last season. Uh, J.D. decided to move on from the basketball game uh, after this past season, which is how we managed to get him on the podcast. Uh, so, J.D., how does being on the Owl Chat podcast compare to competing for a national championship? And why is it so much better? Man, it's it's definitely up there. I, I woke up today, like, ready to go. Going to sleep was a, a little bit tedious. You know, I had to really concentrate on some stuff to get any sleep because I just couldn't wait to jump up and talk some owl hoops yeah lots of film study too film study i made sure to watch my games made sure to go back through my notes <clears throat> i'm locked in man but it's game day that's not right. super bowl game day it's it's owl podcast game day that's right and uh aaron uh you bet you excited to be back on the owl chat podcast yeah i've been i've been missing you guys a little bit i mean uh maybe kai a little bit more than you john but you know i'm disappointed kai's not here no, in all reality, I, I do miss you guys. I've been following as much as possible, but uh, talking to talking to you guys before the the show started, just with the kids and, and life, you know, things get a little busy. I never got my Tom Brady contract, but uh, but we can work something out here in the here in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, uh, I don't know if anybody's told you this. You sound like Tom Brady. So you, I've I've heard him coming on all these podcasts. He was with Steve Young. He was with uh, uh, Pat McAfee, and now yeah. here you. Are this podcast you sound just like him maybe i should just turn the camera off and you forget that i'm bald and, and we can crazy. play it off like i am tom brady if I, huh? if I don't look it sounds like i'm talking to him i feel like i am maybe i should turn the camera off and you can forget that i'm bald well oh oh wait they're not seeing that so now i just outed myself so a uh, great job aaron um so you guys actually have a connection to each other even though jd played what 07 to 09 and aaron was what like 09 to 2012 something like that um, you guys, JD actually coached at Central Arizona College a couple of years after Aaron left, where Aaron played before coming to Kennesaw State. So I assume it was just a giant coincidence, right, JD? 
I mean, yes, it's just an internal contact. I think you were tight with Judd and um, Judd was uh, the assistant coach before who hired me, um, Jordan Dryling out of Central. And so Judd was kind of like this, this first connection of Central Arizona. Um, Judd Kenny, he's been at Houston Baptist for years now, but um, no, he always had his hands on good players. He had Central going with some talent long before I got out there. And then Aaron and I kind of kept switching places to where I, I had finished with KSU when he was at Central. And then we we kind of flip-flopped and he went and took over the number 21 from me. Did way, way 10 billion times better than I ever did. Um, I just ran around and tried to make Coach Ingle happy. Whereas Aaron's out there like setting records and stuff. So I, I wasn't doing anything like that. <laughs> no, I think that's what we all did with Coach Ingle. We just wanted to make sure we were on his good side. And I mean, not that he had a bad side, but he let you hear about it if he didn't. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, He's but one it, of my he, favorite dudes. He was a great guy. Um, no, but super, super coincidence. And, and Coolidge, Arizona, of all places where where we have that connection. It's not the the biggest or brightest or, you know, strongest basketball scene you'll find in the country. But there were some definitely some some players out there. And um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Coach Judd, man. Judd was a great guy. Um, man, I, I, I still look him up every, every other year or so. I'm like, is he still at Houston Baptist or Houston Christian? I think. Yeah. I, was gonna say, I, I spoke wrong. They changed it like a year ago or whatever. Yeah. And he's still been there. He's been there for like a decade plus now. So, uh, yep. good for him. Happy for him. Um, but I guess I'm, I'm following you out to, to, well, you know, your past career to San Diego state. Now we have to keep this going. Uh, so I'll be out there apparently if I'm following your footsteps again, but, um, Hey, when, when John was reading over your stats, like, Dude, two steals a game for multiple seasons. Like, that's a what kind of defensive specialist are you? And and how can we uh, steal some of that? I, I didn't know anybody even cares about that stat. That's like when you talk basketball, that's like the fifth one. So usually it never comes up. But the, yeah, I will actually claim that that was the only thing I was good at other than trying to make a coach happy. But statistically, it was just one of those things that it started in. Started when I was young. I think I played up with my brother three years up. He was older than me, and I would always be just a little gnat running around on the court. And if I could take it from those older guys, I'd just die laughing. And so my favorite pictures of me playing, I have a couple of like after a steal, and I'm grinning ear to ear, like while dribbling down the floor, because I it, to me it was like picking on them. And so, um, at uh, at Barry College before I got to Kennesaw, I did. I led the country in steals. That was about the only thing I'll ever uh, brag about my game because. Nobody cares about steals, so I'm allowed to care. That's Ab right. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks like <laughs> unlike an all-time rebounder or something in only three <laughs> years, that doesn't even you're like Pete Maravich of rebounding. So that <laughs> that's out of this world. <clears throat> I appreciate it. I wouldn't go that far, but I do appreciate it. I'm jealous of you, you guys with the quick hands stealing the ball. Like uh, you're a, a little brother I wouldn't like to have in, in that regard. Exactly. That's I can claim <laughs> that in a heartbeat. That's exactly what I am. That's right. Yeah, and JD, I mean, you were have you were headed to a great senior season, then I guess you had an injury, which kind of ended it all and kind of put the team off track a bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been so long now that um, for a long time, I guess, like a lot of you know former athletes, like it, it kind of was my identity for a minute there, um, while I figured out the next phase of what I was going to do and who I wanted to be, because um, you know, Aaron, I'm sure you identify with this, but when you're in class, it's like. It's like, uh, hey, uh, first day icebreaker. Hey, my name's JD. I'm on the basketball team. Like that might as well have been my last name. You know, I'm JD. I'm on the basketball team. And so when that was gone <clears throat> for that, you know, six to nine month for, uh, period when I was graduating from Kennesaw, I was like, well, what in the hell am I going to do now? I thought about opening up like 
a wakeboarding shop just because some random opportunity presented itself. I thought about doing some other stuff and like just, you know, and then it was like, of course I want to coach, you know, I always had it on my mind, but I had to like recommit to the game. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was career ending. It wasn't a uh, season ending and, uh, it just kind of messed with me for a little bit, but I, I felt like I'd unfinished business with the game for a long time there. And so that's kind of where the coaching fire began was I was like, no, we're, we're, we're far from done, buddy. Me and the game got a funny relationship. So uh, I'm good with where it is now. Uh, I ran my race and I feel like I, I gave back to the game what it uh, gave me at least the best I could, because that's that to me is kind of what it's all about is is uh, this game's a special game. It can give you as much as you want to put into it. So I gave it all I had for a long time. Yeah, and I guess my last question before we get into the uh, Austin P game is, uh, you know, you recently got out of the basketball game. Is that a family decision, or what, what kind of yeah. way? Yeah, absolutely. It, it. I mean, it was it was family driven, and then uh, selfish driven at the end. In that, um, I, I in my mind, I, I know everything there is to know about the the coaching lifestyle, not not coaching, because you can always learn that, but the coaching lifestyle. Uh, I kind of knew what my next jump would be. I kind of knew what my end goal should be if I'm staying in it. And uh, it just didn't end up lining up with my priorities anymore. Like when I was young and at Central or at TCU or even Bakersfield is it's a it's a full time ramp up. The higher you go up, the, the recruiting is only picking up being a head coach. It's only more responsibilities now with fundraising and with meeting. And I mean, recruiting has always been, you know, off the charts and, I don't, I don't know. I, I had a weird moment yesterday. I'm, I'm at uh, my three-year-old's uh, first soccer practice here in Texas. And I mean, call it practice, whatever. It's more like an individual workout out there. They all got their own ball. And uh, she looked at my wife at the wall and she, she waved real big and she said, where's daddy. And my I was holding Peyton up in the stands, giving him crackers or something. And so she turned and found me. And for me, like, I, I really did like choke up. Cause it was like, where's daddy. She turned and found me and it's like, guess what, baby, I'm right here. And I would have never had a free Saturday my entire life until a few months ago. I, I haven't, I mean, I, I've played basketball on December 26th, every Christmas of my life until this year. And that goes back to like fifth grade. So it, it's a long journey, but yeah, it, it meant a lot to me to be there yesterday just for something as simple as that. Cause she literally asked, where's daddy? And first time in my life I've been there on a Saturday. So kind of cool stuff, but that's what that's what it was rooted in. Um, it was either keep chasing, be a head coach, try and be Brian Dutcher, try and be Jamie Dixon, or like what what am I doing anymore? You know, it takes yeah. too much out of me to to keep doing it if that's not like damn, that's who I need to be. So when that changed, I made a family decision and trying to follow through with it. Well, Dude, here we the chills over here, man. Jeez, that's a. I mean, that's that's true. That's true. You can't yeah. beat it. You, you leave the game, but you have a you have a family and that's that's the time that matters, too. So I appreciate uh, it, man. It's it's deep in me. I don't even know how to talk about it jokingly because it just is so hard to pull off. Coaches are paranoid to get out. You know, you won't you feel like you're kind of specialized and we know some of those skills are translatable into the workforce. But unless you have somebody that respects athletics, they're like, well, what have you done? It's like, well, I've done a whole hell of a lot more than win basketball games. But what do you need me to do? You know, and I. It, it, I haven't done anything in the business world like that. So it was a unique opportunity to get out and get back to a great area. We knew we'd get back to family. So yeah, a lot went into it, but we're enjoying Fort Worth backed by a ton of family, ne uh, nieces, nephews, you name it. So it's, it's going well. I appreciate you asking. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we got uh, hopefully some knowledge dropped on some uh, newer OWL fans can maybe look up JD and uh, see what he's done in the past. Maybe find some highlights 
um, that are not <laughs> that'll be not going to be in HD. <laughs> that'll be hard to find. <laughs> yes, no, you might get uh, back then. You might get like what one or two games on TV a year or something, and they're not going to be in HD. And anything the coaches pull out is going to be on like a camera from the Flintstones. So uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's not going to be pretty, but you you might be able to see like a shadow of him stealing the basketball. Um, <laughs> so jumping into Austin P. Um, I'll kind of summarize this and then we'll lead into initial thoughts. Uh, the Owls lost, uh, Austin P was game one of this, uh, past week. Um, the Owls lost 85 to 69 on the road. Uh, it was our fifth loss in a row. Austin P's best player and leading scorer DeMarcus Sharp didn't play due to injury. Uh, P primarily played their starting five and mixed in others to give some rest and some foul trouble. Uh, the Owls Jamel King also missed the game with a slight ankle ailment. Uh, the game was tied at 2-2, and then P led the rest of the way and didn't look back. Austin P started the game on a 24-8 run after hitting six three-pointers in the first six minutes. The Owls battled back on a 15-5 run, making it 29-23 P with 7.30 left to play in the first half. Uh, Cottle hit a three at the buzzer to make it 44-35 uh, right before halftime. Uh, KSU came out smoking in the second half, uh, starting with a quick R.J. Johnson three. Uh, the score was 48 to 44 Owls with 15.30 left in the game. Uh, DeMond Robinson appeared to have a dunk opportunity under the basket, but it didn't go in. And I guess I think it went out of bounds. Um, I didn't see exactly what happened. The 7-3 Wilmore was in the area, but either way, uh, Robinson missed and it was Austin P. Ball. And due to frustration, uh, Robinson got called for a technical. Austin P hit two free throws to make it 50 to 44. And it was that point at the game where it really started to descend into chaos. And, you know, the Owls effort to make a comeback just kind of stopped. Uh, we trailed by as many as 18, ended up losing by 16. Um, Kennesaw State shot, you know, eight of 25 from three and 41.4% overall, but it was 33% shooting in the second half. The only owl with eight or more shots to shoot 40% or higher, I believe, was Adam Akoya at five for eight. Uh, Burden had nine points and eight assists with no turnovers. Uh, Jamonte Black was seven of 13 from three and six of six from the free throw line for 27 points. Uh, he also had eight rebounds for Austin P. P also had uh, three other starters in double digit between 14 and 18 points. Um, so that was the summary. Um, my initial thoughts were, you know, more frustration. It's getting harder to, you know, harder to watch because going down 24 to eight, you know, it kind of kills the game from the beginning. You know, we're going to have to, you know, make one of our comebacks again, use a lot of energy, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't looking very promising. Um, JD, what are your, what were your initial thoughts on the game? My thoughts are always, uh, kicked off with the fact that uh, I'm not in the huddle. I'm not in the practice. So it's all uh, being on this side of things. It's it's hard to say that this is what happened or this is exactly what was going on because for all I know, half of it was intentional. Maybe they were harping on, let's get as many possessions as possible. Obviously, when you do that, some of them aren't going to be high quality, you know, or let's pressure them up. Maybe we're going to give up a few open shots, but we're going to try and speed them up and see if they knock them down today. You know, like you never know what the actual game plan is unless you're behind the huddle. So I start all that to say, yeah, like, yeah, compared to my personal philosophy, there were a lot of things going on, <clears throat> excuse me, that that I, I wouldn't necessarily think was, you know, 
the most successful early on because they are, they're banging six threes early. You know, I know those guys aren't all on the Lakers. So of course you don't expect that, but you know, as a, as a defensive specialist, I guess, if you were to say it, like I, that's what I concentrated on in coaching and playing, but I could care less about offense truthfully, as long as you, you move the ball, but like every one of those threes, and I don't think I'm, I'm wrong on it. Every single one of them was catch and shoot. So they're not, they're not off the bounce. Nobody's in rhythm, just absolutely killing and creating to where it's like, man, do we need to start running two at this guy? What do we need to do? Every one of those was, was ball movement. We were pressured up. Maybe a guy gets beat, starts a chain, you throw it out, and they just catch you to three. Like they, they couldn't draw it up any better than that on offense because they're not even having to bounce it. There's no shot fake, one dribble side steps. Like they're just catching and letting it go. I can still currently do that today. <laughs> it's, that's the only thing I can still do is just catch and shoot. So each of those six early were off of those. The hard part to me to, to understand without being in the huddle is when you combine what our clear philosophy is, which is tempo and pace, constant attack mode, keeping them on their heels and not hitting shots. Okay, if they hit three threes in a row, and we've been on defense, call it 20 seconds each time. But our philosophy is tempo and pace and, and that Gonzaga style and you, Alabama style. You throw it up the sideline, throw it up the corner and you yank because you're open. That may be the most open look you get that possession. I understand that. But if you've just given up three threes, that's a hard way to end a run. Because if you don't hit it, you're back on defense again. Now you're over a minute and you've been on offense for 14 seconds total. And so... If, if they're on a run, it's that funny combination of, of pace and tempo and being a threat and understanding shooting percentages and things like that, um, combined with like they're, they're torching us on this other end right now. You know, something's not working. And so, you know, I'm all for playing with pace. I would never even act like, you know, Coach Petway's doing something inaccurate. I think it's just about bringing it to life, you know, and, and putting it in system. And nobody... I mean, even even a different head coach towards another head coach is not allowed to tell him you're doing it wrong. You can't say you're wrong. It's just that it's not happening. And so playing with pace and, and scoring as many points as we do, I still think that in, in my humble opinion, there's a time and in, in situation for that. And I don't know if a quick 9-0 run in 30 seconds is the time to go down and play as fast as usual. And so when when we pressure up on defense, all, all that's ever usually going to do is put more responsibility on the sole individual defender because we were in passing lanes. We were out trying to get tips and deflections and all that. But if we're not an elite defensive team, you, you're leaving guys on islands. And so that's, that's hard at, at any level for even the best defensive teams. You watch, you watch Houston play. You watch my former team, San Diego State play. You watch they're never guarding one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody guards one-on-one -on -one at that level. And so – for a guy to get beat, you can almost guarantee that every possession, but that doesn't usually mean anything. It doesn't mean a chain starts. Usually there's a help defender right behind him or somebody to step up and at least stop the momentum. And so that was just something I kind of noticed is if a guy got beat, it always ended up turning into kind of a negative situation. And, and I don't think it has to, you know, I think there's ways to adjust that, but at the same time, that's why I preface it with like, shoot, if we're trying to pressure up and create tempo and speed them up, then everything I said just goes out the window because it's it's intentional. And it's like, man, we're trying to make them go. They want to play right now. They don't get to catch and look. They got to go. And so um, without being in the huddle, I don't know what the uh, emphasis was for the game, but that's what I saw is if we got beat, those dudes got to catch and shoot three. Um, 
Aaron, I don't know what you were noticing, but it, it definitely kind of steamrolled early to where you could just see we tried to compete, tried to compete, but but a little mental frustration kicked in for sure. Yeah, JD, you bring up I'm glad you brought up the the not being in the huddle piece because I think that's where a lot of fans and um, you know, like the casual viewers get mixed up, like, oh, why aren't they doing this or that? It very well could have been the game plan going into it. And we could have been, you know doing exactly what was expected of us going into the game. And maybe the execution was a little bit off or, you know, maybe, you know, there's a few different things that could have, it could have went, didn't go our way. We didn't get the bounce here or there. Um, so that's a really great point. Um, a lot of other things you mentioned, like, man, I, I, I love having you on here because the way you break down the game is just, it's phenomenal. And I, I saw a lot of the same things, but you, you speak it into existence really well, like offensively, we are extremely up, up pace. We have a lot of tempo and, and that all season has been our, our, you know, who we are, our identity. Now that's fine. We're not, we're not, we haven't been the most efficient team offensively. Like we we've gone through some lows all year, which is, which is understandable um, with our pace. We're not going to have the highest field goal percentage and things of that nature. But what, what really broke it down for me was, was defensively. Like it seemed like 20 of the 30 seconds on the shot clock, we were in scramble mode. Whether, yeah. you know, someone gets beat off the dribble or, or, you know, overruns a closeout and, and from the next 20 to 25 seconds, like someone's helping this guy, someone's helping that guy. It's finally open, man. I'm going to, you know, Demond's out on the perimeter. And then we got Quincy down there trying to battle on a, on a baseline drive. And it, and it just, it all started by not necessarily being organized or being disciplined in the first five to 10 seconds of the shot clock defensively. And, and like, to your point, it takes a few dribbles, dribble drives, and there's going to be an open shot somewhere for a disciplined team like Austin P was. Um, and in and, and this game, at least, like we're we're going to give up those shots if we're getting beat off the dribble the way we did. And it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't anything crazy. A few dribble handoffs or a few dribble drives, and and they're going to have an open catch and shoot. Uh, wasn't wasn't the best showing for us defensively, and, and we got behind. I think it's a bad recipe for us when we're we're behind. I think John, what did you say, twenty four to eight? Yes. After the first, you know, second media timeout, whatever it was, um, that's only going to make us speed the game up a little bit more offensively, rightfully or wrongfully so. And I don't necessarily think like that is our bread and butter. I, I mean, Coach Petway has done this, you know, time and time again throughout the season where the first two or three plays are going to be drawn up scripted plays of the game. And we're going to DeMond in the post. I think the first two possessions of the P game, Demond had post entries and I think he went one for two and then he had a pick and pop for three. Um, but we had like, we need to initiate the, the inside game a little bit, right? When we're down 24 to eight, it's, we're going to start being a little more rushed and, and throwing up some more shots, um, which we're good at. We're good at that style of game, but when we're not hitting our shots and defensively they're, they're taking us out, you know, 25, 30 seconds of possession. Um, it's going to be tough for us. Yeah, it's it's slippery because it it whether like you said whether it's game plan or not you kind of have to read the situation and you can't let it get out of hand too early. Not that twenty four eight's out of hand, but but we Demond is an advantage. You know, I mean he he can compete with with a higher level, and so uh, actually when they when Kennesaw came to San Diego State last year and we played them, um, they had our, our full respect. I mean, like we were doing the scout <clears throat> different offensive philosophy than this year, but obviously a couple of the same core returners are back and our dudes were locked in on that scout because it was very apparent that the talent was there. Now we happened to play really well 
it's hard to win on Viejas if you're an opponent. So we won the game. Um, and, but I told DeMond actually in the handshake line, and I don't know if he'd remember this or not, but I told him, I said, you are the difference in Kennesaw state. If this program is turning the, turning the year, turning the corner this year, which they did last season, I said, it's going to be due to you. There's always been good guards in the A sun because there's a million good guards in the country. You can go get good guards. But when DeMond came to me, that was the figure that, that turned the program over that one last hump from, from losing a two point game to now winning by two from getting in foul trouble and just then another opponent, big, just dominating to he can handle him one-on-one. You don't have to double or trap or front the entire game. Like just let him handle him. That's such a luxury. And so it is, it's apparent that they go to him at times. I think it could always be a little bit more of a focal point. The more he gets it, the more he's going to have to pass it. But that that comes with responsibility on more touches. Um, to finish defensively on it, you know, Austin P was was running some very, you know, pretty methodic stuff, pretty uh, purpose-driven to where everything on that elbow entry was, was right where they wanted it, right on time. And then they'd run over those curl over the top handoffs and – whether they'd give it to him and play or whether he'd keep it and ended up playing a two-man game on the wing, I would have just loved to have seen him push that guy off the elbow, make him catch it at the three-point line, make him catch it at the even the NBA three-point line. <clears throat> but instead of doing your work early on the block, do your work early right there on the elbow, make him catch it further out because now those handoffs are not threatening. They're running over the NBA three-point line as, a cur- as opposed to curling the elbow. And like you said, I mean, we, we've used terminology for years of like, we, we can attack on defense and that doesn't have to mean trapping. That just means dictating the possession. Like we're the aggressor. This is our possession. You may end up scoring, but we are kind of controlling what goes on. We're kind of controlling where you are when, when the ball moves. And it did, it just felt like we were kind of reactive and on our heels, so many possessions there to where they, they either got the look they wanted out of the set or <clears throat> I mean, the, the number at a high level, the number one thing you can want on offense, is start a chain, you know, just make them scramble, scramble, scramble. The best defensive teams can do it, but that's a fix it mode. That's not like a defensive philosophy of, oh, we scramble with the best of them. That's just hey, compete, fix it, get to the next possession. And it felt like we were in that a lot. I know, you know, you're not in the huddle, you know, with that being said, and you gave a solution there, you know, like to demand to push it out. But, you know, we're just so lost on defense is there a you know what is there a quick fix to this is it communication is it you know in just individual issue and is this issue do you think is this fixable this season um or is this something that we'd probably need an off season to go over it definitely is but it's always going to come back to a you know a philosophy thing it's it's you can't do it if it's not your core belief. And once again, I'm not saying it's not Coach Petway's core belief, but clearly his roots and Alabama and all that, they work on offense a whole hell of a lot more than they work on defense. And that's most programs in the country. That's not specific to Coach Petway. Most programs are becoming more of that European style where, you know, we're going to chop you up. We're going to play with pace. It's how everybody wins the press conference these days. They've made those joke reels where it's like, we're going to play fast. We're going to play crowd favorite. We're going to play fast. And few teams actually bring that to life. Well, he really is. Coach Petway is going to play with pace, and we're going to put pressure on you on that end. In doing so, that is very, very hard to emphasize all of this other stuff on defense because how can you get him to run hard? You see, he's like Roy Williams over there. When we get a rebound right now on defense, he's doing this right here. Like he's got, he's pushing them to go, 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 get to the corners, 
rim run, hit the trailer, move the ball, put pressure on them. That's clearly his core belief system. That's fine. To answer your question about fixing the defensive end immediately, that, that could be difficult because he's he's clearly emphasizing that other end of he believes that we can score the ball at a high level. We've shown we can. We've averaged 80 some points a game. And so if you I, I look at things like if you look off ball, if if I were to let's just say I sat down with Coach Petway and I'm not being a, a negative fan, I'm giving a, a former coach's like little bitty advice, I guess. It would be like look off ball, look at the guys in the stance. That we're standing up off ball. Now it doesn't have anything to do with our philosophy. It doesn't have anything to do with pressuring the ball, trapping, blitzing, help defense, pack line, whatever in the world. That that's that's where we start with with my belief system. Is our, do we have high hands on every closeout? Are we are we in a stance off the ball when you're two passes away? Or are you just as locked in as when you're guarding your own man? I don't think we can say that right now. And that's that's how you start to swing the momentum. To where it's like, oh, hell yeah. Like, we're about to crank it on defense right now. Because you can see, it's not that they're not competing. You can just see a whole different level of fire on that end. Nobody would ever be able to, to bash these young guys and say, like, man, you're not guarding. Of course they're guarding. But there's a whole different level of mental concentration to where, the watch Houston. I won't even keep going to San Diego State because I know I'm biased there. Just go watch Houston. They're, they're one of the best defensive teams in, like, the last 10 years. No, we're not going to be them. But how do you start stealing little things that is that they do? Every, every single time a guy catches the ball, hands are thrown. Just watch. Ball moves, ball moves, hands thrown, hands thrown, hands thrown. Every time the ball moves, oh, okay, I don't stand up. My job's not done. I just sit down and I get, get over a little bit. Those are, to me, are the quickest way to start implementing that mindset of this end matters just as much as the other end. And then, oh, by the way, the, the problem is it's really hard. So even if yeah. you start doing those things, it doesn't mean they just start missing. It just means you start to slowly turn that momentum. And John, I want to, I want to piggyback. I've been doing this pretty much all morning off JD, but when, when you mentioned we're two passes off, right, we're, we're on the other side of the court and we're, we're in help side. I like, guess what? You're not going to be in help side for long. The ball is going to get to those two passes over and you're going to be the primary ball defender at that point. And when you just look at, I mean, the Lipscomb and Austin P game, we gave up 71 free throws. Like that's a big amount of free throw attempts that we gave up. And just having the lack of discipline to be in a stance, to have your hands up, head on a swivel, be communicating through the defensive position. If you're ready two, three seconds prior to being the focal point on defense and, and being the primary ball handler, you're going to be in a stance and you're going to be you're going to be putting up a bigger wall to your defender as opposed to getting beat off the dribble immediately trying to catch up running behind taking a backswing you know it's it's not it's not necessarily like it's it is those quick fixes that, that jd's talking about and, and you can tell we are we are um so focused on offense and going and going and going i if we put a stop a stop a stopwatch on our offensive transition pace compared to our defensive transition pace like we are sprinting on offense to get down to the to, to the three-point line but when we miss a shot and you look at our defensive transition, it's it's not there. The pace is not there either. So it's it's a few things, but it's not, to JD's point, it's not like a whole philosophy is wrong. Coach Petway, it's not like we have to fix everything. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's just a few little tweaks that we can start focusing on defensively and get us in a better spot. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. 
The course is hybrid because they offer both membership and daily fee play. Owl fans, be sure to mark your calendar. The Owls Collective has a golf tournament scheduled for Monday, June 10th at Dogwood Golf Club to raise money for KSU athletes. Go to owlscollective.com for more details. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw, so be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. Do we need to, um, you know, maybe since Coach Petway does not have his guys in this year totally, um, you know, we're going to start getting those in with his next recruiting class, be more Petway guys, so to speak. Do we need to adjust our philosophy just a little bit this year to play at a pace that our guys are maybe more comfortable with that we do have? Um, because, you know, our offense is always go, 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 go. But what if we just make, you know, just slow it down just a little bit, maybe just a little less tempo. Maybe we can add some tempo on the defensive end because they won't be, you know, so exhausted from, you know, sprinting up the court. Maybe they'll they'll be more willing to you know, focus on their defense. Maybe I'm just speaking out of my ass as a fan, but, um, you know, I also have mentioned this in the past, you know, can we be a little bit more multiple in our defenses? Because, you know, Amir was more multiple, you know, we do a little bit of a zone more recently, but at the beginning of the year was very much a lot of man. Uh, we have long guys like juice and King, you know, we don't really do a lot of, you know, full court type stuff to create a quick turnover, um, that kind of thing. Um, I feel we could do a little bit more of that and just wondering, you know, what JD's take on, on this stuff is. It's, it's definitely options. I mean, technically anything's an option, but it, it's, it's whatever you can personally, if you're the boss, man, it falls on your shoulders more than anybody else. So that players care about losses, assistants care about losses. Nobody cares more than the head coach. They really don't because the guys are young, their lives are going to keep going. They, they'll be all right. You know, I'm not saying they don't care. I'm not even trying to start anything like that. I'm just saying there's so much pressure on a head coach that it's whatever he can go to sleep with as to why we lost. And if it's your core belief system that we can run and we can push tempo and we're going to put these dudes on their heels all night long, then it, then it is hard to pick up now full court because that's, that's using twice as much energy. And it is hard uh, to start putting in different zones or a one, three, one, and whether you're trapping or whether it's a first two passes, and then you get back to matched up because all that is doing is taking away time for what you concentrate on. And so obviously they work on defense, but if he were to start changing things or becoming a little bit more creative or, or morphing kind of his defensive philosophy, and maybe that's simple, maybe that's intricate, but if he were to start changing it, then that's harder to go to sleep to because then if if you lose going down with what you believe with, you can feel good about it. Cause it's like, man, this is what we practice. This is what we concentrate on. Didn't work out. But if you start losing when you've kind of given a little leeway and it's like, all right, fine, let's start trying some of these, what stupid coach Pollock is talking about. Let's try with this moron saying, and then you give in a little bit. That's a whole lot harder to go to sleep to. Cause it's like, man, I didn't even want to do it in the first place. It's just a good idea. Or it's just a, um, a different way of trying to attack them. Um, and so that, uh, to me, that can really eat at you if you are the man in charge, because you're putting everything you have into, into winning. And, and if he thinks, no, it's not his guys, but clearly we can play offense. Clearly we can play with pace and score on people. And so I think, I mean, personally, whether anybody in the whole world cares or not, I would keep doing what he's doing truthfully because it's going to make him personally feel satisfied, feel like that's the only way to great progress too. Is like, if you change it, then it's like, well, we're starting over again. 
But I would clearly add more of an emphasis, hold a little bit more accountability on defense. That's easier said than done once again in a losing streak because then it's like even more so we need our guys out there. We need to win this game. Well, they know they're going to be out there. So then it's hard to hold them accountable unless you're going to pull them. But it's it's just one of those things that goes toggling back and forth. I mean, Aaron, I'm sure you know from from all of your playing days, you know, guys, guys know what they can and can't get away with by whatever the boss cares about the most. And <laughs> that's and right. It's it, that's never going to change. So and that's any job, too. Not yeah, just there you go. That's that's true. John, you're giving way too much away for, for how you I mean, you're first you're bald. Now you're, you're doing what the boss lets you get away with. Jeez. Yeah. You're damn right. Well, like so something small, though. So like when they open the game and they hit those six threes, I think one, they were catching shoot, which would drive me crazy if I was on the bench Two, after they had hit one or two and they run that handoff series, we're still going under. Yeah. So they just hand it off and they shoot it. So that that would drive me absolutely crazy, whether I'm the head coach or, or what I did for San Diego State. I would be up and shouting at the guy because you're clearly not locked in. And at this point, shooting percentage be damned. I don't care if he's a 25% three-point shooter. He's already hit two. Or mm-hmm. he's, or they collectively have already hit five. So clearly they're feeling it. So as soon as they hand it off, you cannot cheat that one anymore, at least right now, until this thing calms down. We go under, they raise up, they bang another one. That's not even difficult offense. They just hand it off and shoot it. So at some point, there is an accountability. At some point, there are adjustments to be made. No matter what the shooting percentage is, you can't just let them keep bombing when everybody's feeling good and the, and the rim's enormous. So, Javante Black has actually just signed a deal with the Lakers um, after our game. So just some breaking news here. That's uh, good. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I want to talk about the uh, turning point that I thought was the turning point in the game. I mentioned it earlier, but it was about what, 48, 44. We were yeah. closing in, had a chance to make it a two point game. All the momentum to start the second half was with us. Um, Damon Robinson, I and I watched this play five times. I couldn't tell what the hell happened. He will just say he missed the dunk. Um, and then, you know, he got frustrated, got called for a tech, gave up two points. And, you know, it really spun out of control from there. Uh, that was my key moment of the game. Um, JD uh, did, and or Aaron, whoever wants to take this, did you guys notice that as well? Like, you know, just the change and just like let a, our foot off the gas, lost concentration. Yeah, I'll jump in. I think it would be hard not to notice, right? Um, we were fighting back and and a part of me was like, man, these guys, this is going to be where we turn. We make the turning point, not only for the game, but also for our, at that point, we were on a four-game losing streak. We lost a few at home. Um, and it, and it kind of went the other way, went out of favor for us to, to finish the game. Um, you know, I, I couldn't quite tell what happened either. I know, I mean, DeMond's got to be a little bit frustrated. I think we had a few technicals that game also throughout the throughout the whole team um it was just a, uh, I mean it was unfortunate for sure and it was definitely a turning point um that's where we got to get back and, and demand's a leader demand's a he's been playing for a long time um like we have some leaders out there to, to to get things back on track but when we do you know exert so much energy getting back getting back into the game at that point it was a couple possession game and and we give two free throws to the other team we miss a dunk um like you're putting yourself that that much further back and into the hole, so to say, to dig yourself out. Um, and and we have some good shot makers on the team. We have some good leaders, but you know, at a certain point, you only have so much to give. Um, it, it it hurt us for sure, but you know, the frustration was mounting 
um, really not necessarily in that game, but throughout the entire season, it kind of it kind of hit a little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. If anything, I think it just shows the amount of responsibility DeMond's carrying to where if it's going to boil over for him, a guy who's been there, done that, accomplished a lot, then that in a in a subtle way kind of opened the gates for the team to be frustrated, you know, because it's like, man, if if either Terrell or DeMond are frustrated, then I'm frustrated, you know, because they're all looking to those two. And so you know, I mean, chances are he probably did get fouled because people are fouled every single play in basketball. It wasn't called. DeMond knows that. It's going to happen 100 more times this year. Chances are he's in a better mental frame than, than in a losing streak and and getting hacked and, and nothing getting called. That's, of course, frustrating. It's the easiest thing in coaching, in being a, an outsider or a fan, and the hardest thing to do as a player or a coach is to play through frustration. And yet that's what the demand is. You know, he knows that's what's asked of him. He knows that it's what it requires, but you know, in that moment he gave in a little bit. Um, I think because of what he's accomplished, he'd be the first to admit that probably. And he'd probably say, yeah, I got fouled. I get the best of me. Um, But it does, it just shows the amount of responsibility he has with the rest of the guys that, that they're going to follow his lead. Cause after that, like Aaron just said, I do think we got uh, one more tech that might have been the second one, and we had like three during the game. You can't you can't give up over eighty on the road and and win and three techs. I mean, nothing in there screams like we're about to win this game. Then you throw in the free throws, like you're just you're just an uphill battle the whole time. And so, um, to you know, coming home will help. Road games are hard at any level in college basketball, but. That, that's when things have to be a little bit better. And, and then like we kind of alluded to earlier, that still doesn't mean you're going to win. Like, but, it, but you, can't, you can't put yourself in a deficit and, and try and stop kind of a frustrating time. We, we've kind of, I want to put it into context, like DeMond's been playing out of his mind the, the first half of the season. It feels like when yeah. we do the, uh, the player of the game, his name gets brought up at least by two of us every single game. And he's gone through a little bit of a tough stretch, right? The Austin P game, he had one rebound. Um, you know, he's, he's a double, double machine. He had one rebound, even coming off the Eastern Kentucky game prior to the Austin P game, he, he didn't have his best game, you know? So maybe there's a little bit of internal frustration as well. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you ask him and everything's all fine, he's great. He doesn't worry about it. He forgot about it. But when you're expecting, you know, to JD's point, like there's a lot on his shoulders and he carries a, a big load for, for the team. Um, you know, when, when you have a couple games back to back where, you expect more out of yourself and you're not necessarily putting up the 15 and nine that you, you have been all season. You're going to be a little bit more pressing. You miss a dunk foul or not. Some of that frustration is going to come out. And I, I think we've all been there. Everyone that's played the game is like, man, like I can't get anything to go my way. Uh, it's been a, it's been a tough stretch. Uh, but the thing about him is he's a, he's a, he's a dude out there, man. He's going to get back to it. And he's going to show us like, you know, I, I don't, I haven't seen him get that fired up really all season and, and get a tech. I could be wrong on that, but um, no, exactly. He, I yeah, agree. he, he will get back to it. And I, I think JD gives him a lot of credit, rightfully so. And he'll be back on top when we, when we get these wins turned back around. Yeah. If you compound it with the, the run through the tournament, then kicking off the year so hot, being in first place in the league, the first half. And then obviously this has been a drastic, like a, you know, an, an Eagles type fall off lately, you know, the, like the, the Eagles were clearly a good team. Something changed and it dripped real quick on them. You know, hopefully we can fix it because the talent's there and, and we do have senior leadership, which is the invaluable. I, I do think that those guys can can get in the huddle, look dudes in the eye, 
<clears throat> and kind of get some stuff changed. But but that's got to be frustrating. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to be frustrated. Be a senior freaking killer. Find a way to turn it. There's there no secret way. You got this. You're freaking good. Turn it. And and I think you can. Yeah. And DeMond almost got, you know, tossed as well later on. I think he slammed down the ball after a play. So he, yeah. he got lucky. He didn't get thrown out uh, with the second yeah. technical, uh, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's like you guys said, there's visual frustration all around. You could see it on Cottle. Adam Okoye had the technical. We had one earlier from the bench, possibly Coach Petway. I don't know. Um, I, I should have checked that out. That's my fault. Um, but let's focus on some other things. Uh, Frank Juan Sherman sees his first big action in a while. And RJ Johnson, uh, career high at the time, 33 minutes and a career high uh, 17 points. So, you know, let's do the freshman rundown. You know, we'll start with Aaron since he's kind of, you know, JD's seen him play before, obviously. But, you know, he's paid a little bit more attention this week because of the podcast. So we'll start with Aaron. What do you think about the uh, the freshman this week? So you guys know where I stand with RJ Johnson. I think he's got a chance to be player of the year sooner rather than later in the conference. Um, and I'll jump in on him in a minute, but I love seeing Sherman get out there. Like he, he gets out there and he is absolutely fearless. Like you don't, you don't see it in his eyes necessarily as much before that. I mean, that he is a freshman, you know, the first few games of the season, you can tell like he's, you know, a little apprehensive going out there. He's a little unsure of his assignments, things like that. Um, I mean, he he's going out there with a purpose now, um, even in and he's filling, you know, I'm not huge on necessarily looking at the stat sheet to tell the story. But when you play 22 minutes, seven rebounds, you got his hands on a steal. He's moving the ball around, knocked his free throws down, which which we can we'll take that any day of the week uh, as a Kennesaw State fan. Um, love to see him getting more minutes and getting an opportunity. Now with RJ Johnson, I just love watching him play uh, as a freshman. He he's got some opportunity to still read the game a little bit better or quicker, more efficiently um, as you know, that's not a knock on him. He's an 18, 19 year old kid. He's going to figure it out. Um, but I just love seeing him out there. I've said it all year long. If he's got the ball in his hands, you're going to go to the, I expect him to go to the rim until he is physically stopped with another man puts his body in front of RJ and says, you're going to have to, go through me or stop. And no one's going to do that. That dude is a monster. He is a monster. And people make those decisions not to get in his way because they don't want to have a bruised sternum for two weeks. So um, I love him. I love his three-point shot. He knocked him down this weekend. I think he was three for seven in both games, um, gaining more confidence, getting more minutes. Um, I just, I love his style of play. I think he's going to fit in well with what Petway is looking for. Yeah, JD, what'd you think about his performance versus, uh, versus P? No, I definitely agree. I mean, obviously he was he was producing and and getting in the stat sheet, so it's easy to say that. But like Aaron's talking about, just his his flow and his poise and his skill set. He, you know, most if you if you were to tune in and watch for the first time, you wouldn't say that's a freshman coming down the floor. Not just because he's built, not just because he's strong already physically, but just the the kind of his his mind on it, the way that he plays. Uh, some of the things he sees, um, like we were talking about earlier, like time and situation. I feel like he's got a pretty good feel for that. And maybe it's just the pace of his game. You know, we 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 had a guy back at San Diego State, uh, Matt Mitchell, who's a uh, in the top league in the Euro League right now, and and he started for us as a freshman, and and he reminds me a lot of him, and that he's an oversized guard, um, that that tweener that can do both, can bring the ball up if you want, or he can back down a little guy. You put anybody with any amount of size on him at all, he's he's clearly more skilled and can take him off the bounce. So uh, I love his role. Uh, hopefully a couple games like this, even through the loss, he can be personally gaining even more and more confidence to where 
he can he can join in with the seniors and and kind of uh, finish just like on a whole different level than where he started. Not saying statistically, just just ownership, leadership. He's got to be feeling pretty comfortable with himself right now, as he should. And and yeah, Sherman's definitely got a chance. He's he's got all the intangibles. He's long. Um, you know, had had some decent scoring games earlier, but like you said, his value right now is not going to be measured just in the in the point column. So it's it, it's going to be a quick deflection here. It's going to be one block here, and then let these guys get out and do what they do. But but find ways to impact winning, uh, just as a young guy. Um, and and I think he can definitely do that. He's already shown that. Yeah, Sherman has a ways to go um, with his skill set, but he's doing he's doing what he can. You know, getting that offensive rebound, playing hard. That's what he needs to do. And, you know, another offseason to get a little bit stronger will definitely help him. Uh, probably be a four in the Conference USA would be my best guess because he can rebound it a bit. Uh, just needs to get a little bit stronger and obviously refine his skills. Um, so let's move on to the Lipscomb game, unless you guys have anything to add on the P game. All right, let's move on to Lipscomb. Uh, so uh, before we get to the game, I know uh, how bad Aaron wants to get something off of his chest based on some uh, <laughs> texts uh, that was going on last night. So, you know, if you go ahead, Aaron, take the floor. Yeah, so just just some context here. I mean, as a as a next player, I'm also going through a, a six game losing streak. Right. So we're we're a little frustrated as well. <clears throat> I'm, I could not help myself. And watching this game, the the commentators for. Uh, on uh, on the feed were just I, I needed to mute the game I was really struggling to listen and I think I should just do that going forward the the amount of times that RJ Johnson was called Desmond or uh, Damon Robinson like that that's just like unex as a fan I can understand I don't expect a fan to to know the ins and outs of each player but they like if you're getting paid to 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 commentate on a on a ba- division one basketball game or even NAI, it doesn't matter what level. If you're getting paid to understand the the game and the and the players, <clears throat> and you're painting a picture for the fans, like please just understand who you're talking about. Like I I was so frustrated with the amount of times, and one of the one of the I think the color commentator kept going back to the play by play and correcting him and saying, no, that's R.J. Johnson. And and the guy just kept saying Robinson like four or five times in a two minute span, which is okay. I get it. You mix him up, but every time he talked about the score, the score was wrong. Um, the the guy for uh, I forgot his name. The the Liberty, excuse me, the the Lipscomb guard guard who who hurt his knee, which hopefully everything's okay. It didn't look very promising. Um, like the the way they were handling that, saying oh he's walking off on his own power, that's a good sign. Like not necessarily with a knee like that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good sign. I, I don't know. I think I was being harsh. Like I said, we're on a six game losing streak as fans ourselves. So I wasn't uh, in the, in the best of mindsets and head spaces, but just, I could have done without the, uh, the commentary and, and mixing the yeah. guys up. Like it's we're we're 25 games into the season. At least act like you've watched us before. looked act like you've looked at a stat sheet. Like it's a, it's a, it was a rough one for me as a fan listening to that. <laughs> And, and, and those, the blessing and the go ahead, John. No, I was gonna say, and those guys have been doing the games for a long time. It's uh, Justin and Jonathan Seaman. Um, well, Jonathan Seaman was actually my nickname before I was born, about nine months before I was born, but I digress. Um, but yeah, those guys should know what they're talking about. And to what Aaron said, Darian Boyd, they showed him in like a uh, stabilizing brace sitting by the court after the game. And uh, that was um, like, yeah, like. 
yeah, that looks really good there, Mr. Announcer Man, just sitting in there with his immobilized brace on and calling, you know, going back to what the East Carolina game or whatever, where they were calling Quincy Adam Makoka. Adam Makoka made his return to the court tonight. Um, maybe oh, that's yeah. what we need to get some momentum going. They struggled it's, with his name as well. It was, it was rough. Go ahead, Yeah, JD. it's the blessing and the curse with ESPN Plus. Is is we're all just glad we get to watch them. We're all glad that the cameras had to be upgraded to a certain level. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> just like any job, those dudes are not ESPN announcers. They're not paid at that level. So no, we are stuck with kind of the Homer. We know our five, we know our seven guys. And, yeah. you know, anytime number three pops up, oh, yeah, that's him. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they, it's, yeah. that's why Kirk Herbstreet is who he is, is all that prep he puts in and all that stuff. So these guys, I have no idea who they are. I hope they don't listen to this, but they probably <laughs> have other jobs. It's clearly not what they do uh, all the time. But no, that, that can be hard to listen to because if you are, I know like when I had it on, I, I was, you know, watching some, listening some and all this and that. And I'm like, I don't know what these guys are talking about half the time. So I, I don't blame you. I'm in I'm there glad, with you. So. I'm glad you, because I'm usually the sens- sensible one. I'm like, hey, give them, give them some, some grace. I understand they've got a tough. The thing I think that rubbed me the wrong way, and we're going way too long on this, but when we were at the very end of the game, when they were saying like they were trying to figure out what referee was doing something, and he's like, well, they didn't, they didn't give us the 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 referees' names, the sheet of the names, so I don't know which one's which. I said, well, they did give you the roster and who was playing today on the on the Kennesaw State team, and you don't know which one's which either. So <laughs> I I don't know, buddy. But anyway, sure? we're going way too long. Yeah, you're right. I'm not sure, but uh, they may not have gotten a, a stat sheet throughout the entire game. Who knows? <laughs> I- but I don't I think you got the roster, Aaron, at all. You're, I'm pretty sure we were allowed a few this. minutes to vent on that. That's OK. Yeah, you yeah. can vent on that. I was over it. And then John was like, we're talking about that tomorrow. I'm like, oh, OK, well, now I'm going to sleep poorly. I'm going to be thinking about this for hours and hours. So scratch that itch again. You just had to reactivate it. I had to. <clears throat> and uh, so just one more thing to kind of crap on them. It was not really crapping on them, but it was really funny. It's at at right at the beginning of the game when they do the little video packages where they um, you know, introduce the other team's best player and who to focus on. They were showing us in our layup lines before the game warming up and they were talking about, oh, Terrell Burton, he's the all this, all that, accolades, all that for like 30 seconds. And the cameraman is panning to Armani Harris the whole time like he's Terrell Burton. And I thought that was hilarious. Did you either of you guys notice that? Uh, I mean, it's just one of those things, like you said, it's, it's ESPN plus there's, there's levels to this. That's one of my favorite lines in a lot of uh, areas of life is man, I'm sitting here watching it and I'm saying to myself, there's levels to this. Oh, it was just, I promise it was you it's not going to happen at the Super Bowl today. Okay. Like the, there's guys <laughs> that are, there's levels. Okay. <laughs> it was just hilarious. And we had the graphic of their, like Will Pruitt. It said like Will Purit or something when he was shooting free throws just there's the i'll board, just say man. there's levels to this i'll just say yep. it get it out of it, the to way see, it feels good it fits in somebody's getting paid a lot more somewhere else to not do that <laughs> yeah i'm gonna use that line you know whenever my boss tells me to do something tomorrow or anything like that i'll just be like i don't know man there's levels and see what he says hey even even to your own show and i like your show but there, there's way better guests than myself so there's levels to this okay you you're gonna go out and <laughs> <laughs> you can get somebody a whole lot better than me on the next show. We should have gotten Nate James. <laughs> there you go. There, that's who we should have gone to. So uh, let's get to the uh, Lipscomb game. I'll summarize it below. Then we'll go for uh, thoughts. I'll start with my initial thoughts since I wrote some out and you guys can probably piggyback on those. Um, so 
We dropped number six in a row to Lipscomb at Allen Arena. Uh, Lipscomb, who was already without their best player for the season, Jacob Ognasevich, lost their leading scorer, Darian Boyd, early in the second half with an apparent knee injury. Um, it was a back and forth uh, first half with the Owls having a three-point lead at the break, uh, which was the first lead at halftime since the Central Arkansas game. The Owls jumped to a 58-49 lead with 15.08 to play in the second half or in the game, and again with 14-14 remaining. Lipscomb quickly cut their deficit to two with 11.44 left to play, and it was very back and forth much of the rest of the way. KSU took a one-point lead on a burden layup with 2.32 left, but Lipscomb went ahead 90-89 at 2.04 on a Pruitt layup. The Owls managed to, to tie it with 126 uh, to play, with a pair of free, but a pair of free throws by McCormick off a Cottle foul gave Lipscomb a 95-93 lead, and they never looked back. And thanks to a couple free throws at the end, uh, won 101-95. to Terrell Burden scored 33 points with seven assists, 12 of 16 from the free throw line. He hit three threes. RJ Johnson played another career high, uh, set his second career high of the weekend in minutes with 34, scored another career high in points with 19 on seven of 14 shooting with three triples and six assists. Um, I thought DeMond had his most impactful game in a while uh, with uh, 15 points and 11 rebounds. I thought the rebounds were uh, very key. Um, I'm going to start with my initial thoughts on this one and go from there. Let you guys uh, piggyback, whichever one of you guys wants to start off. That's fine with me. So uh, fouling and defense were the key to this one. Uh, we committed 30 fouls to Lipscomb's 21. We hit 18 of 27 free throws, which anybody knows is, well, I don't know, maybe not anybody, but 66%. And Lipscomb hit 80% for 32 of 40, even though it didn't feel like that with that one guy missing a whole bunch of them in a row. Uh, but let that sink in. We let them shoot 40 free throws. Uh, Bellarmine and EKU combined to shoot 43 free throws against us. And we're already a team that fouls too much. Uh, we let Lipscomb shoot 56%. And if you take away their uh, 5 of 18 from three-point land, they shot 27 of 39 from the field with, from two, which is just over uh, 69%. Not nice. Lipscomb was also plus 18 in the paint. Uh, on the bright side, I felt that KSU was much more efficient offensively, moved the ball better, made a concerted effort to get it inside to Robinson. Also felt that RJ Johnson did a good job as a facilitator and scorer of this game. Uh, bottom line is simple, um, and it's we've already touched on this, but if we can't get stops, we're not going to win. doesn't matter if we score 150 points. If we give up 160 points, then we still lose the ball game. Um, that's really the bottom line, and uh, I guess uh, who wants to jump in next? J.D.? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I, just, to, I mean, to start positively, like, that's hard to do two days after a, a frustrating loss, remaining on the road. Um, they do feel heavier each one sometimes when, when you're caught up. Like, all they did was travel and get there. Um, so I was really proud of them for showing up, coming out of the gates with some pop. Clearly, they were there to win the game. They weren't just there to, uh, to try and compete and kind of see what happens. Like, they brought it. And so um, all that to say – like, yeah, uh, some of it was a little bit more of the same, though. Like, let's just see if we can boat race them, outscore them. Shots were falling. Um, as, a, as, a, as a quick point of view, I hope that competitive edge wasn't from just seeing the ball go in. That makes everybody feel better. It's a coach's worst nightmare, is if you only feel like they're going to compete at that level when that ball is just going through the rim. And be like, well, we're going to get the best of them right now, but what if we go 0 for our next six? Like, are we going to be 
more frustrated, like the Austin P game to where we're getting, you know, out of position, some text, whatever. Um, so they, they brought it on the road, hard to do. Um, and that was out of the gate. I thought they played with confidence. Uh, when Lipscomb moved to, to a zone, offense kept clicking. They got inside out. They had multiple movements. Um, the ball wasn't sticky at all. Um, loved seeing every single bit of that. Like you ended with, at some point, I'll go right back to it. Why not? There's levels to this. You are not playing the Lakers. Find a way to get a couple stops. These guys are not all going to play high-level professional basketball. You can sit down. You can flip this game, get three stops in a row. All of a sudden, we're up 10. We win the game. You know, like it's you don't have to play a completely different game. There's no point sitting here and acting like everything went wrong. Find a way to separate. Find a way to change the game. Get a deflection. Let Terrell get out and get a layup. Come down, contest a shot a little bit tighter, because clearly they're banging shots too. They, each team was on pace for 100 pretty much the entire game. So step out a little bit more. Change something. Affect the game in any minor way. Make them rush it. Make them off balance. Make them take a floater instead of a three. Whatever it is, get another rebound. Throw it up. Corner three, we hit it. Because we were banging shots. That, that was what was missing, is just change the game in a positive way get a couple kills, get a couple three stops. Um, winning on the road's hard. None of that's to say this would have been an easy thing to do. That's what was missing, though, is find a way to slow down this other team from scoring 100. <laughs> yeah, it seems, seems pretty pretty easy when you say it like that, stop them from scoring 100. It's um, like these are My first thought was these are the games that we were winning in November and December, these close games. It's a one possession game. The last media timeout, like we're going to find a way to turn it around. And then especially too, when you look, we had eight turnovers, a two to one assist to turnover ratio. You have a freshman putting up a career high of 19, Terrell with 33, DeMond being him himself, 15 and 11, like 40% from three. Like these are games when offensively you look and like, what, what else could we have done? Right. What else could we have done to, to be in our favor at the end of the game? But then you look at defensively, and John, you you said it to start. They Lipscomb shot forty free throws, and it seemed every possession going down the stretch ended in either a, a traditional foul or an and one, where we're just like, man, we can't get over the hump defensively, and and it's really tough. Like we we did put ourselves in a, in a great spot. JD, you made a great point playing a second a second road game, you know, not necessarily back to back, but you're not getting a lot of practice in. you're resting, you're traveling, you're eating, you're getting your body right. And you come out offensively and put up 95 points on the road. You expect to win. It's those, those defensive possessions where we're slow, we're slow to rotate. We're lazy. We're undisciplined and we're fouling under the rim where like we're not gonna, we're not going to win many games that way, giving up 40 free throws. Um, it's, it, it was tough. It was tough to watch. Um, it, it obviously didn't go our way at the end, but a lot of positives to take away from it. Mm -hmm. But then defensively, it's, it's it's kind of the same old defense we've been talking about the past five or six games where we're just not, we're a step, half step behind. We, we don't have that urgency and that, that, um, that care defensively right now to get us through for, for 40 minutes. No, it definitely, it definitely doesn't hurt. It definitely doesn't hurt us when the ball goes through the rim. You know, it definitely, you don't see any assistant coaches, not that this is needed, believe me, this doesn't matter, but you don't see anybody on the bench like spiking their scouting report because we got burned on a set that we went over in the scout or something like that to where it's like, man, we went over that play. I told you they were going to flare and then they throw the flare and hit a three. 
that's what that's when you know though that that like everybody's on the same page we aren't trapping full court we're not playing helter skelter defense 94 feet and yet we keep shooting ourselves in the foot and fouling constantly so if you give up that many free throws you especially on the road though when we did everything we were supposed to do on offense you score all those points on the road and you can't find a way to get it done like it's it's definitely frustrating. I hope they're still feeling okay with it just because the ball did go through the rim. They should feel okay about themselves. But until that defensive end changes to where when you get beat, you turn and run and show your hands as opposed to just hand checking. Or when they go up, you do actually go vertical and you don't come down at the end. All these things are difficult to do, but they're also all drilled every day. So you just have to bring them to life. This isn't stuff they haven't been taught on. This is stuff that they have not changed on a discipline level of just simply executing it at a little bit higher level. Everybody gets beat. That's okay. You can't foul and compound it though. Now you got beat and fouled. Now they're back to the line when they've been in the bonus since 12 minutes to go in the half. You know, it's just free points. That wasn't even a threatening play. Make them continue to make tough twos, especially when they're hitting threes. And then the, the, the tempo will turn the same way you like playing pressure on offense and, you think, okay, we missed, we missed, we missed, but over the course of the game, we're going to impose our will. You can do that defensively too. Okay, they hit another one. Okay, they hit an elbow pull-up. They hit a floater. Do that for 40 minutes. Chances are you're going to be okay. You just end up fouling them. They don't have to hit a tough two or a floater over DeMond going vertical. Well, now they didn't earn anything. You just gave them free throws. So clearly it's a bad recipe for us. A lot of fouls, unless you're trapping full court, usually does mean undisciplined usually does mean you don't show your hands. Um, like Aaron said, you're reactive. You're, you're a step slow. Maybe you know the rotations. Maybe you know when you're supposed to be in help and you're supposed to be closing out and you're just a step slow. Maybe the, the scout is coming to life and we're just too slow on it. I don't know. But, man, do we foul. We definitely foul. And that's a, that's a maturity thing with those seniors out there. They need to be able to look a guy in the eye and tell them, you know, what it was, what it is. Um, so hopefully they can turn it. But – but man, you just can't put people on the line like that. Definitely not on the road either. Yeah, and uh, what do you guys think about the uh, the new lineup? Uh, we had Simeon Cotto uh, out of the lineup this game. Uh, we had Frank Juan Sherman and R.J. Johnson move in as a kind of a bit of a surprise. Um, even with Jamel King, you know, at least somewhat healthy off the bench. Um, I, you know, I. I was kind of clamoring for it last weekend, actually, about uh, R.J. Johnson. I was like, I would start R.J. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would start R.J. And they finally started R.J. And I thought he had a very good game, you know, except for the end when it kind of, you know, he showed his age a little bit, you know, in the clutch uh, situation. But, um, you know, does that, J.D., would you say, you know, just changing things up when things aren't going well might be just a good change of pace and get getting the young guys in there? Every now and then. Um I mean, I don't know if I'm just too far down the road in my mindset, but like, but once again, that's a philosophy thing. If you're, if you're not big on changing the lineup, then, then honestly, no, I'm not in favor of it. If, if it's something to where that is a way the team as a whole knows you hold people accountable and it's like, Hey, you know, there's, that's, that's a different way to communicate is your job's on the line every week, perform, have a good attitude, bring to life what we're putting in practice, execute at a high level or your job's on the line, or it's the other philosophy, which is just empower them at all times. Try and make them be as much confidence as you can. Let them play free. Let them be themselves. And you have a little bit more trust in it. There's two different ways to go about it. 
obviously with this situation, there's there's somewhere in there without having talked to a single person on it, somewhere in there is a little bit of accountability being held, whether it's performance, whether it's attitude, whether it's off the court stuff, regardless of what it is, somewhere in there, I think that's what the change was. I don't think it was just performance-based. I don't think it was just, um, you know what, we need to give this guy a try because he happens to be playing really well right now. I think it was, it, they either looked at a couple lineup combinations that they liked or something happened. Let's hold him accountable real quick. Make a, make a little statement of it. And because um, obviously he's, you know, the leading scorer and all those things. So um, you don't take 16 points off just for fun, but um, I'm okay with it. As long as, as it's just, it's just like any other thing, as long as it's open communication and the guys know why the guys know what's happening. That way you're not playing any mind games with them, especially in the middle of a losing streak. Cause we are still together. We got to hold somebody accountable but let's do it together. Everybody understands what's going on. Yeah. And uh, Cotto, what, before I get to you, Aaron, Cotto has struggled um, tremendously over the past, you know, like d- during this losing streak where his, you know, his, sh- his shots haven't gone in, you know, he's taken some, you know, out of rhythm, a lot of out of rhythm type of shots. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, his value to me at least is on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, if he's kind of being a detriment there, then, you know, we could get somebody in that, you know, might be a plus there, but, you know, might be a little bit bigger on defense as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think, I think, so John, you, so you brought on both JD and myself, neither of us are, are just offensive powerhouses. And I think a lot of our commentary is going to be reflect that. Um, when, when you bring, when you bring on, on Sherman and, and RJ Johnson, right They're they're in the starting lineup. And we talk a lot about offensive, offensive production and, and fitting in there defensively, they're going to need to step it up a little bit. Like just from my notes alone, right? Like Sherman got beat off the dribble two or three times in the, like that really caused us um, to go into scramble mode. Right. And, and, and get some, some easy layups for Lipscomb. RJ Johnson, he's looked better as of late, but there are still a few times where it looks like he takes two or three seconds off defensively. And I think like any freshman does, it's not nothing against these guys, but they're freshmen. They're still learning out there how to, how to play team defense at this level. Um, and, and those, like, I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence that we gave up 101 points. The, the game that these guys play their most minutes, they combine for 50 minutes. Now, not to say that they can't overcome that or, or get better defensively, but I think for these guys to continue playing the way they're playing, especially for, for Frank Juan Sherman minutes wise, if they focus defensively, exactly what, what JD had mentioned earlier, you know, hands up on the drive when you get beat off the dribble, closing out, being in a stance, like those are the things that are not only going to get you on the floor, on the floor more often, but it's going to keep you there. And it's going to keep our, it's going to help our team defensively, um, you know, limit the amount of just easy layups and catch and shoot threes that that right now our entire team is struggling with i think as a as freshman specifically frank Juan sherman who who's not necessarily going to be a guard with the ball in his hands all the time offensively focus on what you can do to help the team defensively and and you're going to find yourself playing a lot more moving into to finishing the conference and conference tournament through the through the rest of his career with with the owls so um i think focusing for him defensively and just doing the little things right and, and doing them consistently, that's where we need to we need to to move more with these freshmen. The yeah. little things is key, man. It's just the emphasis. Whatever you want to emphasize. We don't need to change all the defenses. We don't need to throw a whole bunch of lineups out there we haven't done. Just just tweak it 
barely. Hold yourself accountable a little bit more so the coaches don't have to. We have maturity enough within the locker room to where the seniors can look the young guys in the eye and say, this is how we do it. This is the way it's done. And until you get there, those, those coaches can't just be pulling the players along. That's, it'll never work. It's never worked in the past. A coach is never going to pull a player along defensively. It either matters to them, and I, I don't mean like competing. I mean like it, it pisses them off. It hurts them when a dude gets beat off the dribble, and, and I got to go help constantly. You've got to talk to them about it. It's not just the young fellas. It's, it's a mindset. Um, if anything, I'm okay with them, the young guys being the ones. <laughs> because yeah. like you said, if, if we're going to tweak it, and then we, we know we're giving up a little bit more defensively. That's fine. But at least at least there's a there's a mindset behind it. You can't just keep going out there and, and giving up. I'd love to see how many teams won on the road and gave up over 90. Who outscored somebody on the road 92 to 90 and won on the road? There's if you give up 90 on the road, you're not winning. Yeah. And, you know, it, it would be something to look up as well. You know, R.J. Johnson and, um, you know, he was getting uh, he was getting beat. Um Sherman too, but those are young guys. There's more upward projection for them. And I like getting them in the game because you know those guys are going to be here next year. Those guys are going to have to play big minutes next year. So, you know, if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna lose anyway, um, you know, I I no, just learn learn through teaching for sure. Learn through yeah. teaching, but don't don't just you know let the older guys mold the younger guys and and let them think it's okay. You know, let those dudes learn under the fire. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, just a couple more uh, points of emphasis towards the uh, end of the game. Did you guys see that banked in three by McGinnis? Um, because if you guys have watched Owls basketball in the last three weeks, mm-hmm. I think we all knew that was going in. Um, did we not? Well, not only the last three weeks, I brought up December, November, December. We were the ones hitting those shots. I think Simeon's got a couple of those under his belt this season. Like it's, it's just how it's going right now when, when it, you know, it's super cliche when it rains, it pours nothing is going well for us. Those 50, 50 balls, those shots off the NBA range off the glass to at the end of the shot clock, like those are going to go in against us when we're, when we're not doing those little things. And right now we're in that, we're in that stretch, but yeah, no surprise that went in. You kind of put your hand over your eyes as it, as the shot was going up. So um, momentum, momentum is real. Yes. Momentum is a very, very real thing. And that right now we're, we're pounding against the momentum. So hopefully we can swing it. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, Burden had a tremendous scoring game, 33. I think he put 33 last week because I was going through the outline making changes and uh, to what Kai put on his outline last week. And it said Burden scores 33. Well, here he did, too. I didn't have to make any changes in the notes for that one. So, um, you know, it's getting to you know he's just an amazing player. And, you know, I would just love to, you know, win some for him you know at least get in the play-in tournament but um at the end of the game if you guys didn't notice Lipscomb didn't want him to have the ball they you know on the inbounds they put two guys on him they bracketed so the ball went to RJ Johnson um on the final plays and uh that could have been the you know determining factor RJ missed a couple free throws you know then I think he he shot one short um did you guys notice that They, they just had a concerted effort to kick it out of Burden's hands and it worked. No, absolutely. I, I think that was fully intentional. I think that's a credit to the opponent's staff, um, Coach Lenny and them. Uh, if anything, I, I think the 30-plus points was was part of their scouting report, just if I had to guess. I could be 100% wrong. Maybe Terrell just absolutely took over. But I, I would actually guess, um, as one of the top assist guys in the country, that they wanted to make him beat them. 
Let's let's make him go get 40 and see if they got enough to beat us. Because if he's doing both when he is 15 and 10 and he's just moving that ball, everybody else is feeling good because he's moving it. Now they're getting opportunities to catch and shoot, play a closeout, and he's got his floater and his finger roll and everything going. That's when he's most dynamic. Not to say he wasn't last night, but they did make him attack constantly because they're hugged up on shooters. He had more space to create. So I actually think a lot of those points were scouting report driven where they said, hey, you're on your own and he might score on you, but but we're not going to let everybody else just cook. Now, it ended up kind of being that way because the points, everybody scored so much. But um, at the end of the game, clearly they made an adjustment and they said, we might go down, but we're not going down to Terrell Burton. So um, they they made a good adjustment there. Yeah. And I just want to point out that uh, last week, um, producer Nick, I believe on the midweek, you know, we went into the analytics and such and, you know, Burden and Cottle, when they're not in the same lineup, Burden, you know, it's a much more effective lineup. Um, again, that's not, you know, crapping on Simeon Cottle. It's, you know, maybe the fit together, the usage, um, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so that might have had some kind of the advanced analytics might have been saying, hey, you know, let's try something else. So I just want to throw that out there. And maybe Coach Petway listens to our podcast. We don't know. I would highly doubt it, but maybe. <laughs> um, I, I just know if you have two little guys out there, you have to be absolute terrors. You have to be an absolute nightmare to where they're worried about every single bounce, every single pass, especially across the top of the key. Like you, you, you aren't, you can't be a normal defender with two undersized guys. You have to just be a disruptor at all times. Even if it means a little bit of gambles, they need to know where you are. Once again, I'm used to the West coast basketball as of lately, like watch Jalen house on New Mexico by nobody saying he's some disciplined defender. If anything, he gambles the entire game and yet he's up for defensive player of the year because all he does is disrupt. Now he gets beat plenty too. But he, you dang sure know where he is on the floor. And so if we're going to play a couple undersized guys, we at least got to find ways to make them feel about us. They, they got to know where Burden is. They got to know where Simeon is. Be like, man, you might throw it, but it might even get tipped off their hands. We got an extra possession. We got to find ways to disrupt if we're going to be small and fast. You can hide one guy, but it's hard to hide two. Um, oh, there's, yeah, exactly. There's no hiding them. Now you got to impose will and flip it and be like, hey, we're, we're little, so we got to change it to our advantage, and we're about to be flying all over the place. Because you yeah. can't just play rock solid defense with undersized length. Absolutely. So uh, finishing up, um, let's go to the player of the week and then a little quick conference talk. Um, so I'll start with uh, we'll have uh, social media guy Tim who's sitting in here uh, helping out uh, doing the uh, behind the scenes stuff uh, that you guys probably don't realize that goes into uh, creating the podcast. So we'll have him jump in as well. But uh, we'll start with uh, JD. Who is your player of the week for these two games? Uh, kind of a tale of two stories. Um, I mean, two L's. I, I don't know that you get a player of the week if you lose both. Yeah, um, we, we yeah we just make it a second. But, but I know what you yeah. mean. I had a tough time um, too. I guess just because of the 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 big time performance, they're hard to come by. I mean, I guess you give it to Burden. Um, he put us in position to win yesterday. Um, carried a lot of weight. Um, obviously, it's good to get Demond right back where he was. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I guess I really don't think there's a player of the game if, if you don't do well. RJ, a little coming out party for him. Um, absolutely love his game like Aaron was talking about. He's got a bright, bright future. That's one that that the Owls got to hang on to um, in this day and age. That, that can be difficult. And I'm not trying to say anything, but like he's he's that good. They got to find a way to keep him in the program. Let him be the building block that, that Burden and these guys were because um, you can build a program around him. So yeah. Aaron, I don't know if I answered, but. 
<laughs> oh, you did a good job. Yeah. And you know, it's it's tough because like you said, you know, it's like all like the KSU official account is like Terrell Burden does it again, scores 33 points. And it's like, who cares? We lost, you know. But you know, again, you know, we, we don't want to be all you know too negative here. We want to give we want to give our guys some flowers as well that you know deserved it. So uh Aaron, uh, who do you have as player of the week? Yeah. So I mean, so for me, it's RJ Johnson. I I uh I mean back-to-back career highs. I mean, nothing. You know, I think I've I've picked him on you know nine out of ten times, double double to finish it off against Lipscomb. Um, Burden thirty three points at this point. It's it's almost getting like comfort. Like we're, we can expect that from him. It's which we should not say, but this guy is unbelievably offensively talented. Um, but R.J. Johnson, when you when you go back to back career highs um, as a freshman even with six assists, hell, that might be more than I had in my entire career at Kennesaw State. I don't know. It might be up there. We'll have to look that up, Tim. But, um, I mean, he's just a stud. He's a stud. And I hate to to say exactly what, what J.D. mentioned, but, like, he, I mean, we we need to figure out a way to make sure he's happy at Kennesaw State. Um, love having him there. Um, but, yeah, R.J. for me, big, big, two, big time games for him. Yeah, and um, Aaron, I, I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I think it would be a good time to sneak it in based on what you just said. Um, Terrell Burden is approaching you on the KSU all-time block list. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't care if it's uh, three years or five years, but what is it? Uh, it was like 46 to 40 you last time uh, we talked about it. Maybe he's gotten one or two since then. Uh, so I'm going to keep bringing yeah. that up. I appreciate you keeping me humble. I got JD over here talking about my rebounding records and then boom, I, I get up a little bit and then my, I, yeah, I'm surprised I even had that many blocks. I was, I was more worried about, getting the ball after it hit the rim as opposed to before. So that's, well, that was me. Well, you were the only person on that team that wanted to rebound. So, uh, you know, you got them all, you know, Hey, when you, when you don't have as many skills as the Spencer Dixon, Markeith Cummings guys that are, that are able to score the ball, you, you figure out a way to play. I think me and JD figure that out. Well, once, if, if you're not scoring a bunch of points, you figure it out other ways. Get, Ironic- get the ball to run L Wooten. That was my job. Get the ball <laughs> yeah. to run L. That's right. <laughs> Ironically, if uh, Aaron, you know, had his skill set that he had after he went pro, he would have probably been like a like a four star out of Juco if he uh, had that skill set now turning into he's now a three point shooter. If you aren't paying attention to his like pro game and his all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> specialist, not a shooter. I'm a specialist. That's, John. that's called work. That's why it's the long game. If if we all yeah. came out as finished products, then then. Shoot, I was a Division One player when I was young, but except there's one problem: I graduated high school at 155 pounds. So no, I went NAIA, <laughs> and it took me a couple of years to grow up. So that's called the long path. That's just a credit to his work. Absolutely, and that's why we have him on the podcast because he puts in the work to be uh, prepared each week and put in a good product. Um, so Tim, um, who is your player of the week? I'm gonna go with R.J. Johnson. All right. He's going to keep it uh, quick and I'm going to, I think I'm going to mix it up. Um, and I'm going to say RJ Johnson. Um, so <laughs> he, he gets his career high in minutes, a second career start, a uh, career high in points, two games in a row as well. Um, I thought he did a hell of a job, you know, not in the second game against Lipscomb, not just scoring, but you know, six assists facilitating the offense, you know, took it inside the zone at times, hit some nice passes just the up, you can see the upward mobility that in his career, you know, he drops a couple of pounds, gets a little bit quicker, will help his defense, help his explosion on offense, get a little bit more chiseled. I mean, the sky is the limit for that guy. And um, I'm glad to finally see him play. And if we're going to, if we're going to go down, 
I'd, and lose, I'd rather him, you know, take some of those lumps early on because he's going to, you know, I want to see him get 20 to 30 at least, you know, each night going forward. Um, but yeah, I love, love RJ and, uh, you know, can't wait to see his uh, progression uh, next year. Maybe he'll become a shot blocker. Uh, no, we'll, we'll see. Um, but finishing up um, in some conference talk um, and where we are right now, um, you can probably forget about a top seed, obviously. Uh, right now, you know, I think losing two, the goal is just to make the play-in game, uh, which is finishing seven through 10 in conference. And there's only 12 teams in the league. Um, you know, just we want to avoid that. We started four and one and it would be super embarrassing not to make the play in like super embarrassing, at least to make the play in. Uh, so the standings right now led by nine and two Eastern Kentucky, followed by eight and three Stetson, seven and four Lipscomb. Uh, there's a pack of three teams at six and five, two teams at five and six. And the Owls are now tied with Jacksonville and Queens at four and seven. Uh, Bellarmine, who beat us, is two and nine. Uh, as I mentioned, team seven, eight, nine, ten have uh, to do the play-in game, and uh, Bellerman is right now on the outside looking in at two and nine. But uh, you know, if the playoffs were right now, I don't know what the tie breaks would be. But Jacksonville, Queens, and KSU, two of three would get in, and one wouldn't. Um, you know, KSU. The good news now is that we beat both Queens and Jacksonville the first time playing them. The bad news is we have to play each of them again. And the bad news is it's tough to beat a team twice in the season, especially when you're not playing well, makes it even tougher. Uh, but we do control our own destiny a bit here where, you know, we get a chance and we beat both of those teams again. Well, we just, you know, we own the tiebreakers. We added two wins to our record. We're pretty much, you know, I think we have a good chance of uh, getting one of those spots. Um, so let's segue this conversation to our next game, which is at a home against Jacksonville on Wednesday night, a weird night, but that's when it is. Um, Jacksonville will be visiting the convocation center. We beat JU actually our last win on January 20th, 8379. Uh, since losing to Bellarmine on January 27th, Jacksonville has won three of their last four, including both games this weekend and most notably ended North Alabama's five-game winning streak on Saturday. Uh, North Alabama's five-game winning streak, of course, was started in the Convocation Center when they beat Kennesaw State. So uh, JU has the momentum right now. Um, they've they've had the most they've had all year. We've had probably the least momentum that we've had all year, but we get the game on our home court. Um, I'll start with Aaron. Um, what do you got here on this one, on the JU-KSU uh, matchup? So as far as the matchup, I mean, we're playing at home. We've already knocked them off on the road. It's going to be tough, but I will. I want to spend a, a second just talking about it. I'm glad we have Coach Petway and, and his fire and his ed energy. Um, I would not be looking forward to practice this week if I were the guys. Like, they're going to they're gonna get after it, and I think JD can talk about that a little bit if he wants to go down, go down that path. But we've lost six in a row. Um, coach Petway is a fiery individual and, and I would imagine that's going to be, you know, amped up a little bit this week in practice. Um, I'm, I'm feeling as optimistic as I can going into the last handful of games of the season, just, you know, with the senior leadership, we have, um, a few days off to get right, hopefully, um, and, and under coach Petway and, and staff's guidance, I think, <clears throat> I think we'll get it figured out, but I, I'm curious to see a, another coach's perspective on this. JD, what, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, 
I mean, you definitely go into it feeling good because you you were the only team to beat them on the road so far. Uh, they, that's their only home loss in the league. Um, but re- you have to get the next two. But you're only talking about the first one. But in a big picture, we're allowed to talk about more than next game. You have to get the next two. Um, and it, it honestly it has nothing to do with who you're playing. It, it has not. It, this is on us. We know we're good enough. We know that we have the talent. Um, something's a little bit off right now. I don't mean uh, for that to sound like big picture. That's just like, just tweak something, you know, something's a little bit off. It'll result in a couple more good possessions. We get some W's and we're, we're back feeling good again. Um, I do think we're one of those teams that nobody wants to face in the tournament because of seniors. If you have uh, Terrell and Demon out there, you have a chance. Um, so it's just about turning it, just, just turn it. Find a way to feel good again. Find a way to get a little bit of momentum. Get some. Get that belief going again. Um, it has zero to do with who we're playing. Um, just fix it here at the end. I don't like that we have three road games to end the year. Um, that is not good. But uh, it's not against you know first or second place um, in the league either. So, got a good chance. All it takes is a couple wins, and uh, this conversation will be long in the past because everybody will be back high flying. Yeah, and any team in the ASUN could beat any other team in the ASUN. Absolutely. Even Absolutely. if it's last nobody, place. nobody has a winning record on the road. Not one team has a winning record on the road. So it, clearly the parity's there. Find a way to get both at home. Feel good about yourself. Go back on the road like we tried to this past week and go get a couple, and we're fine. It's no big deal anymore. Yep, so we'll t- hopefully we can take care of business against Jacksonville. Then we play uh, North Florida as well on, uh, I believe, on Friday, a weird uh, day for a game, which I'm perfectly fine because the baseball team opens the season at 3 o'clock that day, and we get the basketball at 7. So my ass will be parked on the couch um, for a long, long time that day. So, uh, yeah, um, looking forward to seeing it. But, you know, one more thing we have to kind of address um, before we head out here. There was a little bit of a bizarre situation that happened um, on Saturday's uh, game against North Alabama for Jacksonville when their head coach, Jordan Mincy, got ejected after some fouls to start the game. It was probably three and I think exactly three and a half minutes in. He he went crazy, got ejected. He walked to the North Alabama huddle, shook every player and coach's hand like like it was the end of the game. And then he walked across the court to his own AD in like a red hot fit of rage, yelling about something, probably about the refs, or we can, we can't really speculate on what was said, but something, you know, set him off. And I just, you know, I think this is going to be a little bit of a topic, you know, perhaps, I don't know, maybe they'll ignore it on the broadcast just out of respect or something like that for KSU, but this is something that happened. And, um, you know, we'll go to Aaron first. Uh, Did you happen to see that? I did. I did. And, and you never know, like you said, speculation is tough uh, to go down that path. Um, I know coaches are naturally fired up and, and have, you know, quite you know a lot invested emotionally into these games, but that was a little bizarre. You don't see that quite often. Um, I'd be curious to figure out more details behind it. I doubt that we will, but, um, but yeah, it'll be, you know, we get them coming up here in a couple of days at the convo. So um, I'm excited to see, to see, to see us go against them. But JD, what were your, what were your thoughts when you saw that from an next coach's perspective? Yeah, definitely unique. I mean, it, it's going to be something outside the box. It's not going to just be like, Hey, you missed a foul because, um, he's done too much prep. He's trying to climb into the playoffs as well. Um, he's not trying to miss a whole game. He knows he can help his guys win. So, um, something, so I bet it was something a little bit outside the box, but, um, I know, I know Jordan, I know coach Mincy, 
Um, he's young, he's fiery, uh, similar to our own coach Petway. Um, I, even if young coaches are, are trying to figure out an identity and trying to figure out X's and O's kind of like an older guy, like Bill Self or Kelvin Sampson, whatever. One thing that they do get a, a head start on is guys having their back. So I can promise that they'll come out fired up. They'll come out playing hard for him. Um, that'll be something we'll have to push through because uh, his guys will definitely have his back. Well, no matter what the situation was, uh, his dudes will play hard for him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, that's all we have for you guys today on the Owl Chat Podcast. Um, you know, please follow us at uh, Owl Chat Podcast on uh, Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. I uh, would love to hear some feedback on what you guys thought of uh, JD's performance on the show and Aaron's as well. Um, I'll any messages or words of encouragement or anything that you want me to pass along to the guys, I'll be happy to. You can tweet or DM me as well at KSU Owl Howl. Um, we will be back with you. Some combination of uh, me, Kai, and uh, our guest analyst will be back with you after next week's uh, Jacksonville North Florida games. We can only hope for the best. Um, like I said, I like the effort from the Lipscomb game. We just need to put it together. Um, let's, you know, let's just play it out, play hard, make some fixes, and uh, whatever happens, happens. Do our best, and uh, hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return... Stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!